Welcome to Menopause, Marriage and Motherhood, a podcast that's all about changing the way we view midlife and bringing the conversation about menopause out into the open. Each week we share stories, experiences and inspiration. We talk to experts on how to best navigate this time of life and find out how other people have not only survived but thrived through this time. I'm your host, Karen O'Connor. Hello and welcome to today's episode. Today I'm here with Jeannie Doherty. Jeannie is the founder and CEO of Cloud9 Strategic, which is a bookkeeping practice on the beautiful Gold Coast in Australia. So Jeannie's just down the road from me. Welcome, Jeannie. Hey, Karen. (laughs) So we've got quite a lot to talk about because you're, how did you phrase it, a mid midlife mumpreneur and yeah awards for your bookkeeping but you've also got a background in skincare and health and fitness and you do um latin dancing as well don't you which it turns out we've got a mutual friend who is Jeannie's dance partner which was a bit like oh my goodness how small is this world (laughs) it's true we actually dance together because I lead and follow so I do lead the lovely Miriam as well (laughs) so yes I am a a midlife menopausal mumpreneur (laughs) as a mouthful Um, and yeah, look, I do have a, I've got a really strong background in skincare from a previous life kind of thing, because we were just talking off air, right, Karen, about estrogen and what it does, when it wanes, what it does to your skin, oh, it goes so dry. So yes, absolutely. But I'm also, yes, I'm a, um, proud to be an award-winning strategic bookkeeper as well. Definitely a mum first, he may burst in the door at some point and, <laughs> and a business owner second. Yeah. Wow. So but let's start with the skincare stuff. So yeah. your previous life, because we were both saying that, you know, when you hit menopause and the estrogen drops, you end up with skin that looks kind of like a snake skin. And no matter what yeah. you put on it, it doesn't really make that much difference. Talk oh, yeah, absolutely. Skincare. Yeah. Look, and I'm, I'm better for better or for worse. I'm all about staving off the aging and looking as good as you possibly can. Right. Absolutely. Um, so I'll give you the, the hot tips on skincare because not a lot changes over time. The the elixir, I think, for youthful skin is glycolic acid. So that's derived from sugar cane. And you'll find that in a few really good products like uh, ASAP Skincare, which is an Australian brand, I think, unless it's been bought out, but they have a, a good product. They call it a night cream, but that's just a trick. You can use it during the day, especially when you're like us. But glycolic acid will really, really help with that. Well, anybody's skin, but I would say, and when you're at our age too, you want to use a little bit of vitamin A, but that ASAP brand, it's so affordable, but they've got the vitamin A, the glycolic and everything so that's my top tips but yes I mean not everyone can have estrogen supplements I get it but for me I was able to I know I'm on so much of it oh my goodness Um, (laughs) I take three supplements and it really um apart from I'm not sure if everyone knows its role in appetite uh but estrogen does affect your skin dryness so once you get your estrogen levels corrected and you're able to sleep again and you stop craving donuts and bacon um then you also get plumper skin (laughs) i didn't know that so what what actually do you know the process behind what happens with this yeah with the skin with the skin Mm. uh, all i know is that 
as the estrogen wanes, your skin gets drier. And when, because my my journey with um, bioidentical uh, HRT started in January this year after I met a fabulous girl, a nurse that said to me, goodness, Jeannie, don't you know about this stuff? And then uh, I got onto it and the nurse explained to me estrogen's role in, and I wondered why, like you, Karen, I was going to the mirror just going, seriously, I've always had dry skin, but this, this is ridiculous. Uh, And I could kind of cop my body and living in Queensland, it's not too, it's not as bad as say goodness what's it like in Melbourne and that kind of thing but yeah it does um I think it's probably it would have to be being having a background in that stuff it would have to be what it does to your lipid production which is your oil in your skin so it's just we're just shriveling up really (laughs) oh dear I was actually because we used to live over in Perth and for people who don't know Australia Perth is a desert climate it is bone dry over there and I really suffered when I was over there I'd have to put like it wasn't enough to just do an oil wasn't enough to just do a cream I had to do a cream and an oil (laughs) on my body just to stop it from cracking and looking like a snake skin yeah, well, the thing with the glycolics is if you imagine your skin like a piece of toast, right, If you, when you put moisturiser on, it's a bit like putting butter on the toast. It's like you're still going to have the toasty top. When you use glycolic acid, and I use like a skin stripping strength for my body, right, like, ah, oh, I get it from the States. When you use that, it takes the toasty top off to give you the soft bread. And then that moisturizer actually works better. So that's why, look, since I was young and I got into this stuff really, really young and became a specialist in ingredient technology and facials, um, and I owned a day spa for a while, I've been glycolic acid obsessed. Uh, Yeah, so (laughs) it's really, really, everybody gets some of such good stuff. Yeah. Where do you get yours from? Yeah, so the one for my face, look, I tend to just because it's easy, I go online and I grab um, the ASAP, uh, like I think they call it the night cream. That's got 10% glycolic, but it's quite mild. A lot of skins can take a lot more than that. And then there's an American brand called Platinum Skincare, and the the dollar exchange rate's not great, so I'm always looking for their coupons. But they look their range is quite extraordinary. If you just try and look for the glycolics, though, because a lot of their range is actually a bit too brutal if you don't know what you're doing. But the other thing is the whole. I mean, I would tend to say the ASAP range, but in the Platinum Skincare range. Um, they do a big body lotion by the like you can get like about a liter of it and it's got heaps of glycolic acid right if you have a look at it and on it if you get those snake legs like I was getting the snake skin legs no gone I get 25 year olds feel my skin and go what are you using and it just (laughs) it's so good I just love it so much (laughs) yeah put it in the show notes and then they'll be like oh I will skyrocketing (laughs) yeah actually I'll ask them if they got an affiliate link before I put it in the notes that's right yeah (laughs) totally so tell me how did you go from that what so you went from that to being a bookkeeper or did you do I've got a suspicion you did like a few other things in between then did you Kind of it. I was actually raised by well-known successful entrepreneurs. So it's kind of like if you're raised by wolves, you're a wolf, right? 
And so I was thrown into business at like 15 and told to just do it and fix things. I mean, I ended up growing their business from 10 to 100 million and just, just do it, just go do it. So there was always that part of me, but there was a part of me just wanted to do something really different to what my parents did. And that was retail, electrical retail. So I had a real, um, I'd probably say I was a really awkward, unattractive kid, right? So I thought <laughs> I might go study that beauty therapy thing. It might give me a chance. <laughs> and I ended up loving um, skincare and facials and ingredient technology. So I, I still stayed in that and I potted in and out of it, but I was always drawn back to big biz- to business with my parents. And look, when I did do their last gig, which was growing it from 10 to 100 million, I got it. I was like a kid in a candy shop because I love problem solving. I was in my 20s and 30s, right? No kids, no commitment, energy to burn, working around the clock. I absolutely loved it. Not something I could do now. <laughs> yeah. So now I love bookkeeping because Do you know, I actually have this aim to turn every woman in the world into a bookkeeper because I'm a mum of a special needs child and it's a wonderful career. It's a really flexible job around him and you work anywhere, anytime, any device. It pays really well and we actually deal with nice people. Like generally business people are nice people. They don't yell at you or anything. So uh, it's a really good job for a mum, yeah. So uh, what's a strategic bookkeeper? Yeah, so a strategic bookkeeper is a little bit like a holistic bookkeeper. So a bookkeeper takes care of what I call numbers 101. So they keep your bookkeeping up to date and accurate, which is great. But that's actually the first step in a five-step process that I have. So strategic bookkeeping is a five-step process which is aimed at actually helping a business owner to take those up-to-date accurate numbers and use them in order to optimise their profit and cash and ultimately build their dream business and life, which is what I do now. And it's so wonderful that the client results. The other day I almost started crying at client results <laughs> as it's, it's pretty incredible working with business owners and the change that you can, sometimes it takes two years, but when you, that day that you see them hit a benchmark profit and it's all happening and their dreams are coming true, it's pretty wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> so what are the five steps that you have to do or is that a trade secret? No, no, no. And do you know what? It's t- it's a, it's an old age, like it's it's so simple because it's management accounting, this stuff, net accounting, this stuff never changes. So numbers one and up one, up-to-date accurate accounting records, that's the foundation. So the second step is numbers knowledge. And I like to say that's a journey. So think of it as a your first part of that journey is like a year. So day one, you probably don't know much, don't know what a number in bracket means, which is actually it means a negative. And on day 365, you're telling me where the cost of sales should go on the profit and loss, right? And then so numbers knowledge is step two. Numbers strategy is the real management accounting piece that you do need somebody to help you with, but just a great strategic bookkeeper is fine. And that's where, so your profit and loss is telling you a story. 
And in numbers strategy, we've rearranged the numbers so that that story is as clear as it can possibly be. Then step number four is numbers targets, which is what always fascinates business owners because this is where I talk about what does optimal business performance look like for you. So, for example, the restaurant that I just did a couple of years that had me in tears the other day. They have, so there's something called benchmarks and it sounds fancy and complicated, but it's just says, okay, if you're a restaurant, what do all the other restaurants do numbers wise? Like how much is their cost of sales? How much is their wages? How much is their rent, right? And then how much net profit does a restaurant make on average? Now, in their area, it was 11%, right? Now, that allows us to set targets around turnover. And um, so I kicked their bums for a couple of years on their cost of sales and their wages. And also we could see that their rent was really good, which is great because I've had to advise businesses to close based on the cost of their rent before. So those targets, even though it sounds simple, oh, I'll just set a target. You can't just set a target. You have to understand what a real, a reasonable target for your business is. So for them to get to 11% of turnover as net profit, boom, we're on benchmark. There's no point them aiming for 20% because in hospitality that would be unreasonable, but it also allowed us to hone in on those two areas that had to be improved constantly or three areas. It's always two or three, never more. So that's numbers target. And then the very last step is the beautiful numbers monitoring where we simply what was the target? So let's say the target on your cost of sales was 35%. The actual, when we look at it, was 40%. Uh Uh-oh, what do we need to do to move the needle? What's our action plan? And then we take the action and little by little by little, just like the restaurant client, we get there, we do it. (laughs) So just like a really basic five-step process that I've been using for 12 years. It's how I helped one of my first clients pull an extra quarter of a million out of his business. That was amazing. Yeah, and I reflect and I go, huh, it was the same thing. It was the same five steps I use today. Yeah. Tell me about some of the people that you've helped. So is it is this in every industry? Do you, Are your clients typically from the restaurant industry or are they all over the place? So it is a bit all over the place. We, I like to say my niche is prof, uh, trades and professional services. So imagine plumbers and consultants and that kind of thing. We do have quite a broad range. Like we've got uh, someone in the forestry space who's quite big, but then more into that trades. Like um, I've got some bigger trades as well. Uh, you know, the, the bigger the business the bigger the mistake causes massive dramas, but then the bigger the fix causes a big result. Like we just had one client, it's just one of one, I probably say all my clients are wonderful. I absolutely love them. I had some clients the other day say, we love you. And it's because I love my clients. <laughs> I actually say, I love you. And a client I love, and he, I was explaining because his business is quite big, 4 million turnover. A little mistake was causing a big blowout. I mean, they were losing money. And for six months, I've had to work intensively just come on, we've got to do, you've got to listen. We've got to, we know the bleed. We know the, we know what's going on. We've got to take action. Come on, come on, come on. And, but when the fix occurred, they went from zero profit to a quarter of a million in three months. 
And I think that is really the impact of little stuff up, big impact, little fix, big impact. So that's really, really interesting versus a smaller business, a little stuff up doesn't cause as big a bleed, et cetera. But yeah, in terms of industries, it's um, primarily trades and professional services. We don't do a lot of inventory-based businesses. We do lawyers, that kind of thing. But we have got some inventory-based and not a lot of restaurants. We've got a handful of restaurants as well. So you talk about we, do you have, are you like a franchise or do you have people working for you? Yeah, just a few people working for me. So over the years, the team's kind of grown a little bit and got, and then we've uh, got really efficient the last year or so. And as a, a couple of girls have moved, moved on I haven't actually had to replace them which has been nice because a small team's lovely so I actually have a right hand girl here full-time with me and I call her my numbers ninja so she's incredible and she really primarily focuses on that five-step methodology with our clients in a really dazzling way then I actually focus on high-level business operations hence my background in big business ops and also habits and mindset with my clients And then I do have a couple of amazing accountants in the Philippines and they kind of handle the grunt work. So they handle that transactional, just bookkeeping stuff that, in fact, they've designed robots for that now. So that's a bit scary what's coming. (laughs) So, yeah, so we certainly are one of the more modern practices in Australia where we've, we've got the global space really, really right. So we're really careful when we recruit in the Philippines to train and support them really well, but also that, that balance of Joe and I here locally. Uh, and then I do have a full-time executive assistant in the Philippines who's amazing. And my brand manager in, is in the Philippines. So it's a, it's a global economy these days, right? it is how did you become a bookkeeper because you were saying you'd like every woman to become a bookkeeper because it's a great work from home job I hadn't even thought of it like that because people can be VAs and things now but bookkeeping is probably another one as well isn't it yeah and I probably would say I want everyone to become a strategic bookkeeper because with robots taking over our job and with these days accountants and bookkeepers have really gone to that more global workforce to get some of that grunt work done. We do have to adapt or die. We don't want to be the Kodak story. We don't want to be the border book story. And so it's really important that we step up in my industry, which is why we're strategic bookkeepers, not just bookkeepers. And I became a bookkeeper because so I'd done everything in our family business, including the account side of things. Uh, And so when I was having my baby, I thought, well, and my husband at the time said, oh, you could do the beauty side of things. You really love that and you're really good at that. Or you could do the business side, which one? And I thought, well, I can't really do facials with baby crying, you know, (laughs) Um, but I'm pretty sure I can do bookkeeping. And I thought I, I always actually really liked balancing numbers. I found that I liked that there was a beginning, a middle, an end, you were done and then you started again. I actually did really enjoy it. And so I thought, you know what, I'll I'll just do that. But I didn't, I think at the time the industry was going cloud. I love tech. It was going cloud. It was, it was because way back 12 years ago, I still had all the clients were dropping off all their receipts and things downstairs, you know, hey, Jeannie, drop off the shoebox. And every month or every quarter, you know, we all scramble, scramble. And then 
Zero came along and I was like, oh, this is amazing. And I was Receipt Bank's first Australian customer. I jumped on the software um, bandwagon and I remember a girl that was working with me. We're still great friends. And I remember the first day she's sitting at gymnastics with her children, right? She's, oh, she's such a great mum and she just loves her kids. So she's sitting at gymnastics with her kids and she said, Jeannie, I just did a client's payroll while I was at gymnastics. Like it was like for us, that was not even in the office plugged to the computer on the myob. It was I'm living the life. I'm with my children, but I was able to do that as well. So, yeah, it's anywhere, anytime, any device. Take the kids to the play centre and actually sit and do my work has been amazing. And having a special needs child who needed my time and attention, that. I, I, I have had like almost a whole year where he didn't really go to school. So having that flexibility was amazing. But also for women, I want to see women like me get their own financial independence. And bookkeeping is a job where you get paid, you, you can get paid well if you value yourself and you're prepared to ask for what you're worth. And as a strategic bookkeeper, you can get paid even better because if you help someone get a quarter of a million out of their business, trust me, they'll pay you a lot of money. And so I I like that it can also give women the freedom to make choices and and something that might be a little bit hard to say is that if that woman was in a bad marriage, she might have the choice to walk away. I know, you know, and that and that because I just seeing women get sick and get and, and don't have the choice to walk away because they feel they don't have a career. So next year I'm launching a business to help um, bookkeepers step up as strategic bookkeepers as well. Yeah. You were saying earlier that one of the most important things you do is the mindset coaching for people, mindset and something else you said. What's that all about? Yeah, so what I have, so I've got my numbers methodology. I kind of do, I've got in like a little circle, but it's really it's linear as well. So I've got the numbers methodology, I've got an operations methodology, which is plan mark uh plan marketing, sorry, plan team marketing selling standards. Now, surrounding all of this and what brings it together and what will just well, none of it will work without it is what I call the seven habits. And then I have like a brain model around successful mindset so the I have seven habits of the successful kind of lifestyle entrepreneur because that's what people these days they're not just chasing the dollar thank goodness right thank goodness we've learned a little bit that the dollar isn't what it's about money has nothing to do with success right? <laughs> no unless that's you want to roll around in a mattress of money and that's great but it really has nothing to do with success and so the seven habits are like be a leader be a planner be proactive be goal setting be prolific not perfect trying to remember the others be I can't remember the others I can't remember them now Um, but basically to give you an idea of how I work around them so uh, be proactive for example so what the business owners that I meet almost all of them even if they are having a lot of success they're generally very reactive okay so their mindset is to react and I say to them so when you get up when you go to your desk in the morning what's the first thing you do and they say well open my email 
go, okay, exactly, right? Why do you do that? Well, I need to answer emails Mm -hmm. because other people want you to, right? So you're reacting to what everybody else wants, right? When your phone rings, what do you do? And they think, she's crazy. I answer it, Jeannie. Mm -hmm. Why? Because somebody wants me. Mm -hmm. They're reacting to what everybody else wants. So I teach them to become proactive and and I also show them the... um, the brain model with your kind of reptile brain, your monkey brain, then your, uh, sorry, reptile brain, your monkey brain, the empire builder brain. And monkey brain is that reactive autopilot. So uh, a notification dings, we answer it, the phone rings, and we're all susceptible, me included. But if we really want to have success, and I see it with my clients, we've got to get an empire builder brain, and that is we have to stop, turn off the phone, get rid of the distractions, and actually be in charge of what we're doing. Clients tell me that that of everything, that they go and they're just like, Jeannie, this is the completely game-changing piece. And they talk about it. They use the language. I've got a team at the moment where there's three of them and the ops manager just says to the other guy, hey, monkey brain, you know, (laughs) you're in monkey brain and they just remind each other. And another client of mine said, when I said to him, what's been your win lately? And he said, the systems that you've given me to get my time back. And he's a successful business owner. He said, that has allowed me to win so many jobs that I would never have even been able to get time to go to, all because he doesn't check his email first thing. He doesn't need to answer his phone. His team reports to his team. He's in charge of his time. So that proactive one and things like being a leader, just for example, is another wonderful client of mine, something I really had to challenge her to well also stop putting herself down but that partly was about stepping I said you need to step up as a leader and we talked a lot about what that looks like and she spent a year doing that and it's and it's been hard but that that habit and she just empire builder brain just blows her mind and she says to her little boy be be prolific not perfect right because that's another one she uses it with the kids, but stepping up as a leader and getting proactive and these habits, she's increased her turnover by 70% and her profit by 50% when for six years before she had virtually no change. That's like, that's the power of it. And all the stuff you're talking about, you can use in your personal life as well, can't you? Because there was one day last week and I got to about six o'clock at night and I was feral because I've got four kids. I had phone calls from three of them. One of them I had three phone calls from and then everything else coming in. So I got nothing achieved that day that I actually wanted to get achieved. And that's the hard thing for me is putting the same boundaries in place for the kids. And I have to say, my eldest is 27. They're not young children. (laughs) The youngest is 18. So I should be able to, all right, I probably need to start placing boundaries and saying, look, I'm not going to be available in these times. Yeah, which is hard for women, right? (laughs) Boundaries. Because I know we've chatted another time about my passion project. So I'm the strategic bookkeeper by day. My passion project is the healthy bookkeeper. And you know that because you're thing around boundaries it's as women we we pepper our speech with so I'm sorry and we put everybody else first but unlike I'm going to be really cheeky unlike if if a man puts somebody else first he tells everybody right if (laughs) 
I'm so generalization alert. If when a woman, what women, when we put everyone else first, if someone is to suggest not doing that, they're like, are you a crazy person? What what do you mean exactly? What sorry, um, yeah, it was once a joke on so on my Medicare card, because I've got stepchildren, I inherited them with my husband and for some reason on my medicare card they put me last right and yet i added them and or everybody thought everyone in the medical profession thought it was the funniest thing in the world you come last and i'm like it's a it's a sign this is just life telling me you and i did you know what i came so far last right in that life and women, we need to have boundaries and we need to put ourselves first. And and I know so many of you out there will be going, that's crazy. But the thing is, I will challenge you, if you don't put yourself first, you are actually putting everyone else last. Explain that one. I love that one. So, <laughs> and I think it's from something I have heard in different words. So when like I did when I used to put the twins first and my husband first and really what did I need I didn't need anything I just need to make sure everyone else is okay I can't be my best so if you don't put yourself first you will not be your best so these days if you ask my beautiful little 11 year old what is your mum's priorities he will say my mama puts herself first and her health and then and he says very morbid because if she doesn't take care of herself if she's dead she can't take care of me can she and it's true and then he says and then he puts she puts me I'm number two and then number three is her empire building <laughs> and when you put yourself first guess what something's going to give you're going to have to drop balls you're going to have to let people down that were used to you putting them first put yourself first get yourself white get your physical mental and spiritual health optimal and guess what you will give everyone your best yeah and so put yourself last and they'll get the worst of you they'll get the worst of you it's interesting isn't it because I've said this a few times a friend of mine her daughter uh, had cancer and when she went to the courses about caring for people with cancer, the first thing they said to them was, you've got to look after yourself first. And she said, but I'm trying to care for my daughter. She's dying. No, 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 you have to come first. And she said it was the most difficult thing to do. To look for women, after that's what I mean. They, I remember, and it's the old, what, so do we put our oxygen mask on first? And what would happen if we didn't? Baby would have theirs on and we'll be passed out on the floor. You're going to pass out on the floor. And that's why the doctors actually used to laugh at me at the bottom because it's well known in the medical profession that women, we very quietly, very submissively put ourselves last and we actually think that it's insanity that there is another way and another situation. And with me, I ended up with postnatal depression because something had to give when I was like a zombie. I was just catatonic. I couldn't even drive. I'm like a step for why bobbing around and just cleaning walls. And that's when I learned, you know, the psychologist said, Jeannie, how long can this go on for? And she said, you need, you know, she encouraged me to actually ask my husband at the time one morning a week, could I sleep in and you take baby, right? And I said, I can't do that. That's ridiculous. Like how I can't, that's, that is insane, insanity. And, and I went home and I told him that. And he said, this is insanity. This is, we can't, because we breathe this around. Oh, it was his normal. It was my normal. 
So me pushing back, and I tell you, though, it's the gateway drug, right? You get a bit for yourself and you want a bit more. <laughs> I'll take two mornings. I'll take a hand with the laundry. You know? It's weird how the expectation is that that's what we do. It's really unspoken expectation, isn't it? Yeah, and we we don't create the new boundaries and we, we beat ourselves up for not being able to do everything, for not having an immaculate house and baby out the front playing and everything right and everything done. And so we breed the environment around us that says, well, that's my expectation. And and so we have it's it's a journey to wind that back and say, I'm I'm actually I need to put myself first. And for me, that journey took me to cortisone and antibiotics and really ill. And it took me to divorce. And it, and it, I'm sure it does to other people as well. But these days, I just love that my little boy understands that too, because as a mum, one day my little boy will choose a woman like his mother to marry, right? <laughs> and I think he will know that um, she she should put herself first because that will put others first, yeah. I remember years ago my third child was really quite young and one of my friend's daughters was in a final year of psychology. She was doing like a post-grad where you actually get certified as a, I don't know what it is, a practising, I, I can't remember the actual term, but it is. Anyway, she came round to interview me. And so we just talked and I answered all these questions. Honestly, we were talking about caring for kids and it was school holidays at the time. So I had um, a one-year-old or a bit less than one and a four-year-old and a five-year-old at the time. And she went back to her mum and these were her exact words. She said, that is a woman on the edge. You need to do something. And I was just like, no, I'm fine. I'm fine. This is just how life is. I've got three kids. <laughs> you can't see it, can you? And I st- to be fair, I still can't. I'm still like, well, I was coping. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think I see. I just remember funny things like I remember running into someone with my car and he was so lovely. He got out and he said, you don't need this today, do you? <laughs> and he just went on his way but I just remember just being catatonic and forgetting to eat and just yeah all this I hate to admit this I used to fall asleep at the traffic lights I used to have it and I'd say to the kids wake me up when the lights change I know right <laughs> exhausted I was just yeah. exhausted yeah I feel like I don't know how though I went from and hopefully this inspires others I mean I was like I say I was numb I was last on the Medicare card it was the joke of the medical profession I was I'm the queen of putting myself last and I have mastered well you know sometimes I can have a tendency to let a man if I let a man back into my life and I can tend to worry more about them I have a beautiful man in my life now that puts me first and I'm like this is weird but I I think one of the keys for me actually and I'd love everyone else to think about this is write it down because there's all the research you know the Harvard Uni on on writing your goals down so I wrote down on my white on my whiteboard number one my health now that's mental spiritual physical number two my little boy Number three, my empire building. Every time someone comes at you and says, I want this, I need this, I want, I go to that picture in my head or on the wall or in the mirror, wherever I've got it, and I say, does it serve me? 
Does it serve my physical health, my mental health, my spiritual health, my boy, my empire building? If it doesn't serve those things, then I can get a bit brutal. And I, I had a dad at the school who, lovely, and I, I, I connect with people really deeply and he reached out a couple of years ago and he said, you know, Jeannie, I'm going through a really hard time and I was wondering if you could be there for me. And I didn't know him that well. And I said, I actually can't. I, I can't. I, I, my, my plate is full. And if I'm there for you, my health, my son, and my empire building will. I didn't say it in that way, but I said something's got to give and unfortunately that will come from my top priorities in life. And I said, is there somebody else that you can reach out to? And, of course, there was, right? I would never just brutally do that. But, my goodness, I think as women, that's hard to say no to someone that reaches out. And now, because I'm part of Latin dance community, I volunteer a lot in it and their family to me and I take care of them. So I do a lot for those people and it nurtures my soul and it nurtures everything about me. But those priorities does allow us to go, well, hang on. And even in my current relationship, for the first time, I'm able to actually stop and say, you know what, I actually need some space or uh, actually I don't like it when you do this. I actually prefer this. I like my privacy. I don't want you staying overnight. Like all these things at once I would have been like so many women, I don't. I come last and therefore I'm going to go, okay, put my needs aside, put my needs aside. And I was the worst in the world at this. So I just feel like the fact that I've got some mastery around it (laughs) means that we can all do it. Yeah. We're going to have to start wrapping up in a minute. This has gone really quickly. Yeah, I know. It's been really fun, though. (laughs) So you were saying, is it the healthy bookkeeper that you... So what's all that about? Let's finish off on that. You tell me about that. I guess it's my passion project just because I've got quite optimal health and it's not by accident. I've had a hard road and a long journey. 49, I got a pretty rocking figure. <laughs> and, and mentally and spiritually, I, I've worked hard to have a really strong mental and physical health profile. I think we can't afford the luxury of a negative thought. Thank you, Louise Hay. And so I would really like to, through launching the Strategic Bookkeeper, which is my next project, I'd like to also launch the Healthy Bookkeeper. And it's really just a complete passion project to inspire others. You know, I am really keen around women, but to inspire anyone to put their health first and stop the insanity because there's so much misinformation out there and life's too short not to have it all. That's what I say. (laughs) And I tell you what success and wealth is to me, health. Oh, my goodness. Have it all. (laughs) Health. (laughs) It's the best thing ever. That was fantastic. And it's something we all need to hear because it doesn't necessarily sink in and it's so insidious that you put in everybody else first. It's you half the time you don't even realize you're doing it till you're doing so much you're like oh hang on a minute um whoa how did I end up here again you just don't notice I'm doing it at the moment with the washing up I managed to get my husband and my daughter to wash up and then I noticed last week it's like hang on I'm doing the washing up again why am I doing the washing up again (laughs) and they're probably like "Uh yeah they are (laughs) sitting there happily watching deli yeah yeah it's true and that's why often doctors and things look at us like 
Another one in the room that has no idea. She's just so far down the bottom of everybody's list and they and they have to subtly walk us down that path to try and see it. So, yeah, I just, like I say, if we talk success and wealth, to me it's it's health. And, and so I just want everybody to have it all. I want them to have the best physical, mental and spiritual health that they can possibly have so that they can enjoy these laps around the sun. <laughs> Fantastic. Thanks so much for talking to us. All your links and everything are on the webpage that goes with this. Whoever wants to get in touch with Jeannie, not if anybody wants to, that sounds really negative. (laughs) (laughs) If you want to chew the fat. (laughs) Get in touch with Jeannie. The details are on the webpage. Thank you so much. Thanks, Karen. Thanks for joining us this week on Menopause, Marriage and Motherhood. Make sure you subscribe to the show on your favorite player. And while you're at it, we'd love you to leave us a rating on iTunes. Or if you'd simply tell a friend about the show, that would be amazing too. Be sure to tune in next week for the next episode. And remember, if you're busy thinking about what you can't have, how on earth are you going to enjoy what you can have? See you next week.